0: Okay, we welcome you. This is uh, part 10 in our series. Uh, As we're working through these select psalms, we've entitled the series, Where to Turn, because we're encouraging you to, when life hits you between the eyes with certain things, topics, issues, you'll know where to turn in the psalms to deal with that topic. And this morning, you can see we've entitled the message, Where to Turn When You Get Blindsided, by betrayal, so I wonder: Have you been betrayed? Most people have some at some point in life, whether when you are young, or you know, maybe in your college years, or or where you're at right now. Betrayal is a reality uh, that affects every one of us. I remember uh, when I was just eight years old. This is my first memory of betrayal, and uh, yeah, some of you are like, serious? Eight years old? See, eight years old, this is what I loved. I loved the creek. I loved the creek because there'd be frogs in that creek. And I used to love to walk the creek hunting for frogs. And I remember uh, I, I got tired from doing that and I needed to get out of the creek. And on the sides of the creek, I grew up in San Ramon at this point, there were these cement walls like going up at a really steep angle. And I couldn't get out. I was wet, you know, there's moss and I couldn't get out up to the road where I could get home and I'm stuck and I remember this teenager comes walking by and he sees me and so he he dangles down a branch he says grab the branch and he's pulling me out of the creek and I'm walking up the side of this and then just as I get to the top he lets go and literally I tumble down the concrete and just splat right in the middle of the creek and I look up at this kid and you know he is walking away with his back to me he's laughing And I'm like, so that's what I have to look forward to when I'm a teenager, (laughs) you know? I'm like, wow. You know, it's one thing when a stranger uh, betrays you, blindsides you by betrayal, but it's another thing when it happens uh, from a friend or, or even a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a family member or a neighbor or a co-worker or a business associate. Or someone that you invested in, you trusted them with your finances. It, it goes on and on. Um, I remember when uh, then I was in college, and I'm you know seeking to work through uh, my undergraduate uh, degree for Bible, and I'm just trying to make ends meet, uh, doing side jobs. I was interning here at the church, uh, and uh, I, I had a friend in he uh, said, Mark, I know this business guy. He's wealthy, and he, he just built all these condos. And so if we can spend, you know, and he's ready to, like, rent them, but they need to be cleaned. And so, uh, and, and he's going to pay us well. And I went, wow, awesome. So for an entire week, uh, we worked cleaning all these condos. I think there were, like, 20 of them, you know, washing the windows, just getting them ready for show. And at the end of that week, Uh, That that business guy was nowhere to be seen, never received one penny from that. And back then, it wasn't like, you know, it's just like, what do you do, you know, in that kind of a situation? And I was like, wow, really? Really? You know, a few things are more painful than being blindsided by betrayal. And it comes in all sorts of different forms. So where do you turn when that happens? And a great place to turn is Psalm 55. So hopefully you're there. Psalm 55 is a psalm of lament. And psalms of lament say life is difficult, but I'm trusting in you, God, in the midst of this difficulty. And look, if you would, at the the superscription of this psalm 55. It says, for the director of music with stringed instruments. Remember, the psalms were songs put to poetry that were sung. A maskil... Of David, David wrote this, and it's a maskil. A maskil is is a contemplative poem, a contemplative song. I mean, this is deep thought that we're going to be working our way through. David really exposes his hearts. There's wonderful theology here, and it's 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 deep. It's really deep. It comes from the guts, and um, the 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 context of this psalm, most commentators believe, I believe that David wrote uh, this Psalm 55 in the midst of a very shocking moment during his reign as king. So he is king of Israel and his very good friend and counselor, this guy named Athopol, and David's son Absalom, they conspired together to betray David and lead a rebellion, a coup against his reign and authority as the king of Israel and replace him. It's very intense. The story, I don't know if you remember this story, the whole account is found in 2 Samuel uh, chapters 15 to 18. You'll have to read that later. I can't go into all of that other than I want to summarize some of the high points of what is going on and just give you the basics. So David has this very good friend and advisor. His name is Athopal. And, and David's son, Absalom. And uh, Absalom and Athopal, they basically go to Hebron. Hebron, uh, some of you have been with me to Hebron. That was the city where years before David was actually crowned king, he was anointed king in Hebron. And it's very symbolic that Absalom and Athopal would lead Absalom there. And it's there in Hebron, behind David's back, that Absalom, he is crowned king, and then Absalom, along with Athopal and a massive portion of David's army, they march back toward Jerusalem to kill David, and literally take the throne from his control. And this entire ordeal caught David completely by surprise. And David uh, gets word that this coup is in the mix. He hears of what has happened through uh, couriers. And uh, David knows that Absalom is on his way with part of his army. And David uh, flees Jerusalem through the Kidron Valley, uh, fleeing for his very life into the Judean wilderness. And uh, it says in 2 Samuel 15, David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. And uh, some of you have seen, well, you've been with me to the Mount of Olives. There's a picture of, uh, of David uh, and where he would have been uh, in the Mount of Olives. Do we have that, Robert? Oh, here you go. So I'm on the Mount of Olives taking this picture, and David would have actually come up through this valley, the Kidron Valley, up the Mount of Olives where I'm at right now, weeping as he went out of Jerusalem. So imagine... Being betrayed by one of your very best friends, if not your best friend, and your very own son. I mean, just let that sink in. We can't skip over that too quickly. Your best friend and your very own flesh and blood son has betrayed you. Behind your back, anointed king, and they are now coming with an army to kill you and to take the throne from you. It was sometime shortly into this betrayal that David wrote and penned Psalm 55. And it's an amazing thing as I think about David's life and just how much he journaled. And by the way, this is just kind of throwing this in for free, okay? If you're in a lot of pain, it's good to write. It's good to journal. I journal every single day except for Sundays. I encourage you to do that. And this journal entry one day would make it into the Psalms. And uh, we see something beautiful here. How do you know if you have been blindsided by betrayal? How do you know you're in the midst of it right now? There are at least these six things that you're going to be dealing with that I want to point out first as we begin. Here's your first fill in the blanks. You'll know you're dealing with the hardship of betrayal because your heart is in anguish. Look at verse 4. David says, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death had fallen on me. Wow. Look what he says in verse 5. Fear and trembling beset you. That's what he says in verse 5. Fear and trembling have beset me. Another thing you're going to be dealing with is horror is overwhelming. Verse 5. Horror is overwhelming me, said David. It's like I am in A horror movie, and I'm the star. I'm the one being pursued. It's it's unfathomable what he's going through, the horror of this situation. It's overwhelming. Verse 6, you want to flee far away. Have you ever had that feeling? You've been betrayed, and you just want to get out of here. And David said, I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I just want to fly away, get out of here, I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. I just want to get away. I want to leave this behind. This is how David is you know, feeling. You will find yourself in shock and bewilderment when you're betrayed in verses 12 and 13. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it, says David. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide it. I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend. It's Athopal. I believe David is in so much pain right here, he couldn't even write Absalom's name down as part of this conspiracy or betrayal. It's you, whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. I mean, this is his best friend. And his son. There's so much pain, he can't even write down his son's name. And the other thing is you're going to have feelings of righteous anger. You look at verse 15, David says, Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead. Wow! You're dealing with all these things and more when you've been betrayed. And I think everyone here has had those feelings. Or maybe you're watching on video right now. You've had those feelings, and and God understands that. Well, where do you turn when you've been blindsided? You never saw this coming. You've been blindsided. You're dealing with these emotions, and what's beautiful in this psalm is that along with the anguish David discloses about how he's feeling, uh, David also gives us some incredible insight that's really quite profound. And so what we want to do this morning is I want to just give you, out of this psalm, four things to do when blindsided by betrayal. This can be for you. This can be for, unfortunately, maybe your future. Or it can be for someone you know right now is going through a betrayal. The first thing that I see that David here models is just ask God to help you with the betrayal. I mean, this is the first thing. I mean, you never saw this betrayal coming. And... Uh, What do you do? I mean, what do you do? Um, The first thing that David does is he asks God to help him kind of sort this out. He just kind of shares with God his initial feelings and hearts, and he just kind of cries out to God and gushes, you know, and this is what we should do as well in our relationship with God. So notice how David begins by just saying, Lord, hear me, answer me. Verse 1, he says, Listen to my prayer. David's in the wilderness. He's literally, he's fled Jerusalem where his house is, okay, his, 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 literally his palace. And some of you have been with me to the city of David, you know where that was. And he's literally in the wilderness now. And he's penning this there. And listen to my prayer, oh God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. Wow. You know, and we should, Pray something similar to that in the midst of our pain. And then David goes deeper, though, and he tells God his thoughts in in verse 2. He says, my thoughts trouble me. I'm distraught. And he's talking to God because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked. For they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. And he's just revealing to God his, his thoughts. You see, he's not bottling up the betrayal, which is so easy to do to keep it here, within. He's getting it out. He's trying to just dialogue with God, and that's what prayer can be and is. It's where it begins when you've been betrayed. And then David goes deeper, and he tells God his feelings. Have you ever told God your feelings? You know, God created you with emotions. God is a God of emotion as well. And God loves to hear your emotions. You don't have to be afraid to reveal to him how you're feeling. And this is what David says in verse 4. My heart, you know, he's talking about his emotions. I'm in anguish, God, within me. The terrors of death had fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror is overwhelmed. These are all emotions. Anguish, terror, trembling, horror, being overwhelmed. And he's just crying out to God with everything that's within you know, there's healing in that. There is healing in that. And, and this is what God wants us to do, and this is what David is modeling. And then David goes a little bit further, and he kind of tells God his initial thoughts on what his, like, thinking, his planning is in light of this. He just says, I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove, God. If I did just have the wings of a bird, I would just fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. You see, David was used to the desert. David for years had to flee from his father-in-law Saul that tried to kill him. And David knew how to live in the desert. Some of you, unfortunately, have learned how to live in the desert. Because this isn't the first time you've been betrayed. Maybe in your family, and you've learned to live away. And at times it's good to get away, but not always stay away. And if you've always been away because of so much betrayal, you need to come back. And God is speaking to you. He wants to bring healing in the midst of your betrayal. His son, Lord Jesus Christ, was betrayed by Judas for 30 pieces of silver. God knows your heart, He knows your brokenness. He wants to bring healing. And here's David. I would just, I want to get away. He's being real, and that's all right to say that. Hmm. You know, oftentimes we ask, how can I get away from this? And I understand that. Because I've said the same thing. You know, but sometimes we need to, need to ask, how can I get through this? Because God wants to not yes, He He saves us in our moments. You know, Peter, Lord, you shout out, Lord, save me. And, And the Lord reached out his hand and saved him. God is always there to save us. But sometimes the saving is getting you through the betrayal, not out of the betrayal. Regardless, we need to share with God what's going on in our lives. This is where it starts with. You just ask God to help you sort it out. And you start gushing. You tell God where you're at, where the whole situation's at. Lord, help me. This is where it all begins. This is so real this topic. And there are so many stories I could share, but I I can't because I feel like um, I didn't want to make a bunch of phone calls to a lot of people and say, do I have permission to tell your story? I don't do that. Um, But there is one story I can share because I know you've all dealt with this. I had a couple a while ago, they came to me in brokenness, in tears, and just said, "Uh, Pastor, what do we do? Um, our son, who we love so much, he used to graduate from college this, uh, this year. And yet, we just discovered, he just shared with us that he hasn't been attending college for the last four years. We've been paying tuition and his room and board for four years. And he completely, behind our back, without ever, and these are parents that love their son, have trusted their son, and they're absolutely broken. You know where it begins? It begins by you just calling out to God for help, and that's what we did together. So, you know, I know there are many stories here in this room, and there are people at your table who need to hear how God has met you when you just cried out to him. So this is our first discussion question. Has there been a time when you were betrayed and you just cried out to God for help? It started there. Would you encourage someone about how God used just that crying out to bring healing in your situation? Take a moment, talk about that. So we're talking about four things to do when blindsided by betrayal. What do you do when betrayal hits you? Number one, you ask God to help you with the betrayal. You just kind of, Lord... Help me sort this out. You're crying out to God. And that's what we see David doing. The second thing is this you ask God to erode the betrayal. Lord, maybe it's not possible for this betrayal to be stopped, but can you slow it? And this is what we see David asking the Lord to do, which we need to do. Look, if you would, at verses 9 to 11. David then kind of turns the corner after he's just spilled his heart to God. Then he asks for this thing to be slowed, to be just confounded. He says, look at verse 9. Lord, confuse the wicked. Confound their words. I mean, I've been betrayed. But can you just stop this, slow it? For I see violence and strife in the city. I'm away from Jerusalem, but I see what's going on in Jerusalem right now. This imposter army betrayed me is actually taking up residence in the city what you've called me to be king. Day and night, they prowl about on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. You look at these destructive forces in my family now. In my marriage, Lord in this situation at work, in my neighborhood. All these false accusations and betrayal, and, and it takes on various forms. And David is saying, Lord, just confuse the momentum of this betrayal. Confound the progress of this betrayal. You see, betrayal is the work of the enemy. And when betrayal happens, there is a spiritual battle raging, and we at, it's fine to ask God to confuse it and to confound it. One commentator says this. He said, The psalmist prays for their evil ways that they would boomerang on themselves and bring utter confusion to their their deception. You know, I think it's very easy for us to underestimate the power of prayer. It really is. Sometimes uh, in life, The only thing we have is prayer. And it's in those moments that we discover and God teaches us just how powerful prayer really is. I love what one person has said. And uh, this statement, it's been in my heart for years. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles, God's muscles, of all powerfulness. Prayer. There's power in prayer. There's one thing I have learned and I'm still learning and continuing to grow in, especially as I work with the church around the world, is their reliance on prayer and how prayer moves the hand of God and creates miracles. I mean real prayer. Prayer with fasting where you trust God, and you come to God, and you pray, and you pray, and you keep on praying. It's called warfare prayer, as a lot of my friends talk about in places where the church is greatly persecuted. But you look at 2 Corinthians 10.4, I love this scripture, and Paul says here, he's talking about the power of prayer, and he says, for though we live in the world, this world is full of betrayal and all sorts of other things we'll face, We do not wage war as the world does. I mean, when you're betrayed, you betray back or you fight back or whatever in a worldly way, but Paul says, no, no, no. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. A stronghold is is a stronghold the enemy puts up in the mind or in the heart of that person that betrayed you. It's evil. It's from the enemy. And we attack that in the power of God's Spirit through the power of prayer. You know, I, I, um, let me give you an example. So there's one pastor that uh, I'm dear friends with. I mean, we work in 14 countries, most of you know that, around the world. And I'm in constant contact with these leaders who are leading movements in these countries. And uh, in, in Thailand, the pastor's name is Bao Ji. He's a humble servant of God, but he, his heart is broken. And every time I'm with him, I see how his heart is broken. Uh, Thailand is a Buddhist nation, and Buddhism in the United States is kind of looked at and people revere it, and it looks so wonderful. And it's almost, you know, but it's, it's demonic. It is an enslaving uh, force in Thailand and throughout. Whenever you worship a false god, you're worshiping demons. And Zhi and is broken-hearted over Buddhist temples. And he sees how thousands of his people are literally encased in sin and in slavery and, and possessed by demons because of their worship of Buddha. And it breaks his heart. And I always like to take groups when I'm with them, let's go to this Buddhist temple or that. Zhi would ra- rather not go there because his heart is so broken. And now my heart is broken. I've learned to grow in brokenness over false gods. If you were with me on Israel, my most emotional time was on the Dome of the Rock. And I can barely talk about it now. Because that's the place, the holy place for Islam. And I think of millions and millions of people who are destined for hell because they're worshipping false gods. And and Bauji's heart is broken. And, uh, and he said to me, he said, Pastor, he said, uh, I, I decided to one night take my church. Rather than do our evening service, I took my church to that Buddhist temple. The biggest one in the area, And we, we warfare prayer marched around that Buddhist temple seven times. Praying that the deception and the betrayal of this false religion would, would fall and, and be crushed. And, and our people could embrace Christ as Savior and Lord. And he goes, as we walked around that praying, the gold on the temple began to fall. The gold started to fall, crumble, and come down. I said, Baugi, did you pick it up? <laughs> and I was like, the power of prayer. He said, oh God, in the United States... We just don't harness the power of prayer. We think we could do it all on our own until we come to a place in our lives when it's out of our control. And I think sometimes God has to do that. He permits these things, so we'll get on our knees and we'll start praying and fasting and trusting God. And we'll see Him do miracles because He is the God of the miraculous. But we have to pray, we have to trust Him, we have to cry out to Him. There's power in prayer. This whole psalm is nothing but a prayer. Every part of it is prayer. And I just think I have so far to go in this. I think all of us, what betrayal is so painful. What do we do? We ask God to help us. Then we just pray, asking God to erode the betrayal. Third thing to do is I just say, you pray for God's justice regarding the betrayal. Now, God is a God of justice, and it's fine to call upon God's character trait of justice, but we have to be careful with this kind of prayer that we're going to read right now because of this. What if God answers our prayer for justice as we are praying it for that person that betrayed us? That can be a scary thing. It's seldom that I pray for justice. I need to let you know that. I typically, even for um, enemies, I pray for mercy. Um, However, I, I would let you know that deep in my heart is a love for North Korea. I love the country of North Korea and the people of North Korea have a place in my heart deeper than maybe any country on planet Earth because of the pain of what they're going through Right now, there are 30,000 people, thousands of our brothers and sisters in the worst prisons that make what Hitler did to the Jews look like Disneyland. It is beyond comprehension. And one day when I have the, the courage, I will preach and do an entire message on North Korea. I've read so many books on North Korea. And believe me, we are supporting pastors in North Korea. And they go in there at risk to their lives that you can't imagine. And there are people turning to Christ in North Korea. But we can't get into those prisons. There's so much pain in there. And so I, I, there's times I've prayed God's justice on North Korea and Kim Jong-un. But I battle. It's a battle. I go back and forth and I pray for God's mercy that, that God would save this man. It is an evil, evil empire. But... This we can know, um, God will judge every injustice, God will make every wrong right, and God will deal fairly with every act of betrayal. What we don't know is when. We don't know when. God might render justice to the betrayer in this life. God will certainly render justice to the betrayer in the life to come, unless they are in Christ. Christ. And even then, sins are forgiven, and yet there is accountability still. There is a day of reward, but a day of examination. But the topic today is not to look into that theologically. But I want you to notice how David here, in his humanity and letter of the Spirit, in all of his pain, he names the betrayer, and he prays a prayer that is quite bold and, and It is a prayer of justice, God's justice and righteousness to uh, be levied on that person. And notice if you would, how David prays in verses 12 to 15. If an enemy were insulting me, David says, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, a foepal, it's you. It's you, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship in the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. And then this is his prayer. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them. Wow. What ultimately happened? You want to know what happened? In the case of Athopal, justice was served. Athopal committed suicide, 2 Samuel 17, 23, and David lost no sleep over that. None at all. None at all. But in the case of Absalom, you could say also that justice was served because Joab killed Absalom. He took three javelins and plunged them into his heart 2 Samuel 18, verses 9 to 15, and that absolutely broke David's heart. I wonder if David went back to that prayer that he prayed, that his heart was broken, that he prayed such prayer? I don't know. I do not know. All I am saying to you is, in Scripture, we can call upon the character of God's justice to be at work with those that may have betrayed us, but you have to be careful. Be careful because you may have to live with what God might do with respect to that prayer. It's something to think deeply about. This is a masque. It is a, is a poem that takes great deep thought. Take your Bibles and turn, if you would, to Romans 12, because I feel like I need to just point out um, the New Testament attitude, maybe I could put it that way, that we need to hold when we pray, uh, when we're in pain, even for someone that's betrayed us. In Romans 12, kind of Paul just gives us some thoughts here that I think are applicable. And I'll just let, I'm going to read this and let the Holy Spirit speak to you about how you should pray. Because some of you right now, you feel like David and you just want to, boom, call down God's justice and almost wrath on that person that's hurt you so deeply. And that's a human thing. But we have to ask God to lead us to pray according to His will. And I just, in Romans 12 and verse 17, Paul says this. He, he kind of gives us direction. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. God's going to repay. Sometimes in this life, but definitely in the life to come, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, we'll feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I pray that God will use that and the principle we just looked at here to lead you how to pray when you've experienced such betrayal. Let me give you a fourth principle here that I see in the psalm to follow when you've been betrayed, and it's this, keep on praying and keep on trusting God. Sometimes with betrayal, there is no end in sight. And some of you have been dealing with the the ramifications of this betrayal that's happened years ago, and it's still an emotionally painful thing. So what do you do? Well, you just keep on praying and you keep on trusting God, because that's what I see David doing. And listen to this last thing that David, you know, shares as he closes this psalm. And it's a beautiful window into his heart about how we continue to move forward. Verses 16 to 21. As for me, I called to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress. So this is like constant. David is constantly crying out to God all through the day and he hears my voice. That's so comforting to know that. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me. And that's what God did. God rescued him out of Jerusalem even though many oppose me. God who is enthroned from of old, who does not change he will hear them and humble them. In God's time, God's going to humble them. My betrayer. Because they have no fear of God. What they have done shows they have no fear of God, no respect of God. God is going to humble them in his time. My companion attacks his friends. David's like, I'm that friend. You attacked me. He violates his covenant. There was a covenant of friendship that we have. This guy betrayed me. His talk is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. This guy's counsel was just pristine. But deep down, There was another agenda. This guy dated me. This gal dated me. They were smooth as anything, but they had a different agenda. There are so many ways that this can come to us. This is poetry, and you can let the poetry speak to your heart to make your own application. His words, they're more soothing than oil on one side, but then they're drawn swords on another, and you experience that sword. And David, though, he's just... He's, he's still emotional, but he keeps on trusting God. And then notice if you would, in verses 22 and 23, cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken, but you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days. But as for me, I, I trust in you. David is reminding himself that you sin, you're getting, you know, the wage of sin is death. It's coming. God's going to humble you. And as for me, though, in the midst of this, I'm trusting the Lord. And, and I love how David says in verse 22 what he did. He kept on giving his burden to the Lord. And so for you, my friend, you're watching on video, you're carrying this burden, you need to keep on cast your cares on the Lord and the promises he will sustain you. You keep giving the burden of your betrayal to the Lord. And and, and the Lord promises to sustain you. Please note, the promise of Psalm 55 is not that the Lord will deliver you from the betrayal. That is not the promise. The promise of Psalm 55 is that the Lord will will sustain you in the midst of it. So for you and me, we need to keep on praying. We need to keep on giving our burden to the Lord. Keep on trusting the Lord in the midst of the betrayal. And God's promise is He's just going to keep on sustaining us. We keep on giving Him the burden. He keeps on sustaining us. He keeps on giving us power and might and grace. And He keeps on giving us all we need to get through it. And I love how it ends. But as for me, I trust in you. Can we see that together? But as for me, I trust in you. That's, that's the heart. That's our words to the Lord. Now I know there are many stories here in this room. Of those of you, just like that, as for me, I trust in you. As for me, I'm not getting bitter. As for me, you know, I'm not calling down fire and wrath, you know, and, and taking vengeance, you know. As for me, I trust in you. And, and some of you, at your table or placed there, or you're in your small group, in your church, you're watching this video, God has put you in a room, at a table, where there may be someone there that needs to hear your testimony of how the Lord has sustained you as you've continued to give Him the burden of your pain. Would you testify? Would you talk about that? Can you share about how, in the midst of a betrayal, you kept on praying and trusting, and God, He just keeps on sustaining you. It's a miracle. Give testimony of that for a moment. All right, where do you turn when you get blindsided by betrayal? Well, hopefully you've got a psalm that you're like, hey, i got a place to turn to now. No one is immune to betrayal. Jesus himself was betrayed. And chances are you have been betrayed. Maybe you're right now in the midst of a betrayal. And chances are in the future you'll be betrayed again. We live in a sin-cursed world. So what do we do when that happens? Hopefully these guidelines will help you and sustain you. You ask God for help with the betrayal. Don't bottle it in. Give it to the Lord. Just gush. God loves you. He can take all of your feelings, all of your thoughts, your plans. There's so much healing in just opening up to God about what you're feeling. And then ask God to erode the betrayal. Maybe the Lord will not stop it, but He can stunt it. He can slow it. It can be confused because betrayal is of the enemy. So we ask the Lord to erode it. There's nothing wrong with that. Then we pray for God's justice regarding the betrayal. You need to be careful, like we talked about, in praying such a prayer. But it is a prayer that's in the Bible. And it's part of our human prayer, but it's also a spiritual prayer. Calling on the character of God to teach that personal lesson. And, and sometimes you're praying for that because justice... Can do that Bring a, It could be a form of grace, but you have to be careful that in your heart you do not sin. You don't be overcome by evil. Your motive is God's love, but you're praying for justice. And you keep on praying and you keep on trusting God. I mean, David said, "Morning, noon and night." I mean, he's just praying. And the promise in all of it is that the Lord will sustain you. You know, if you read Second Samuel. The Lord sustained David out in the wilderness and he eventually made it back through the Kidron Valley into Jerusalem. God restored David to the throne. It has a great ending. There's a lot of pain and carnage in it all. But God brought David back. He sustained him. You know, not all things that happen to us are good. But God causes all things to work together for our good. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word addresses virtually every topic. I think it's the first time I've ever preached or taught on betrayal. But Lord, uh, it's in your word. We just thank you for your truth. It sets us free. And Lord, oh Holy Spirit, you love us. It's not by accident we're here listening to your word or watching this. And Lord, I just pray that your spirit would now have freedom in our lives and we would feel the freedom to talk to you and just really commit whatever we need to to you right now. You're our loving God. Would you just take a moment and come to the Lord with just whatever's in your heart, No, God hears you. There's power in prayer. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. The Lord will sustain you. Take a moment and talk to Him in prayer.